Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, J.C. Sherbert here with you. Signing day, special post-signing day special. Glad to be with you all. Uh, thank you for tuning in today here on Thursday, February 4th. South Carolina football coach Shane Beamer's first recruiting class is in the uh, – the hay is in the barn, so to speak, just talking about, uh, uh, you know, for now. Uh, I, I do think that South Carolina does have some flexibility maybe to add – Another player, maybe a couple other players before the season starts. Uh, the transfer portal was very good to South Carolina. Um, I know that the team ranking, uh, when you look at the 24-7 sports team ranking, uh, 77 last in the SEC. Uh, I just want to let you guys know there's going to be a lot of people that point that out. And uh, those people that continue to point that out uh, are fact- stating facts uh, but but uh, so you know, they're not lying. It's a fact that that's where the class is ranked, but they're providing no context and, and really don't really know a whole lot about recruiting, just to be honest. Uh, those that continue to harp on it and the number is ugly. Uh, I'll tell you that right now. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's the lowest ranked class uh, according to the algorithm 24 seven sports composite, which I believe in uh, in quite a long time for South Carolina, probably, you know, initially uh, the worst in the modern recruiting era. If you if you just go by the numbers, I think there's been some classes that will, that ultimately ended up being worse. The up being worse than this one, in terms of who panned out, and, and that's what really matters. Now, you always want to be ranked as high as possible uh, because it's good publicity on signing day. It gets everybody excited. Uh, that just was not realistic this year. Uh, and and here's the thing with the ranking. Okay, this is the number one thing. And there's a lot of things people miss. And I'm I'm not spinning or blowing sunshine. Uh, Obviously, if if you want to compete in the SEC, you need to sign top 25 classes. Uh, But what that means this year uh, is different than what it means in in a lot of years. And so if you're going to have a year where you're ranked 77th, then this is the year. And I'll tell you why. Uh, Number one, 13 of the 20 guys that that signed – are all that counted towards the rankings. Uh, Southern Cal signed the 64th ranked class in the country last year um, that had some four-star guys and elite guys that will play in the NFL in that class, but they only signed 12 players. Uh, And and I thought it was unfair at the time that people were bashing Clay Helton because, you know, they were last place in the Pac-12 or whatever. And just like I think it's unfair to sit here and, you know, bash this class and these players uh, because you're dealing with mathematical – situations you know you're dealing with the fact that all your players you know over a third of the players that you signed did not count in the rankings um and I think that's uh that just with the math you know that that's how it goes and and I'm not going to sit here and rank these guys because I don't know how they compare maybe to uh other players in the portal or 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 whatever when you kind of you got to line up 50 to 100 of them and see I know that there are guys South Carolina signed uh, from the portal that are going to be a hell of a lot better than the four or five-star guys that you see in the portal uh, that were rated that way coming out of high school. I promise you that. Um, you know, South Carolina also went heavy JUCO. Those guys typically aren't rated as high. Uh, you got Marcellus Dow, 
uh, Trevorian Scott, Bam Scott is his name, um, that came in. You know, Isaiah Morris, who Norris, who I think uh, in-state guy from Georgia Military, who's a, you know, junior college transfer. So you got you got three JUCOs there too. <clears throat> so half the class are transfers. Uh, you know, half the class is are transfers, 10 out of the 20. You know, they're, they're guys that uh, that just uh, are coming from junior colleges or other schools. So I think that's smart. Okay, so so let's go through. So you got the mathematic thing where, you know, most of the class didn't count or they were JUCOs, which drags your rating down, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that's one. And uh, so then the next thing is, well, you know, what was the strategy for Shane Beamer in recruiting? And we knew this going in. If you listen to me talk, read anything we write on thebigspur.com about this recruiting class, it was going to be a situation where they were going to hit the portal pretty heavy. Um, and I don't know if people got in their mind that they were going to go get Henry Toto from Tennessee or Eric Gilbert from LSU, which are the only two guys that in the portal that you really, you know, look at that were rated that way coming out you know, elite that you go, yeah, they need to get that guy. Um, you know, the most of the other guys, there's question marks, just like there are uh, with everybody, um, you know, and they were going to target guys that, uh, that could help them. And you look at it and you got two wide receivers who were very different. Uh, you got some pass rushing help with Jordan Strong at linebacker. You got Daryl Debo Williams at linebacker. You got a defensive back in David Spalding. You got a quarterback in Jason Grant Brown. And then, uh, a defensive tackle to help on the interior and Jakeem Green. Uh, those are the seven guys. And then I mentioned the JUCOs earlier. So, you know, these spots, Carolina needed help next year. It made sense to go get these guys. And they do not count. And these are going to be probably the best players that, that immediately are in this class. I mean, you're going to see Amari and Brown start next year. You're going to see – you may see DJ Jenkins and Jason Brown start next year. You may see Debo Williams start next year. Uh, and these are the guys out of this class that, that you look at and you go, well, instant impact guys. And they didn't count in the rankings. Now, let's take it nothing away from Nick Barrett, who I've heard good things about so far at D-Tackle, who's already enrolled, or Jordan Davis or Sam Reynolds or, you know, T.J. Sanders, who signed his letter of intent that's got a big upside, Omega Blake, who could play as a true freshman, um, you know, or the kid they got out of Louisiana, linebacker Colby Fields or Ladarian Craig. Those were the two guys that uh, – they signed out of high school, this staff did, and, and Fields is a kid out of New Orleans who likes to hit and run. And then Ladarian Craig is a six foot, 275 pound guy with confirmed track times. Um, and, and so we get to the why of it, you know, besides, oh, they had needs and they did it. Well, well, here's why. You know, we're in a year where Shane Beamer had a choice. You can either, when you get to a place, you know, just chalk it up to, hey, we're going to take a lot of risks in this class uh, and, and play the lottery um, because, you know, it's a COVID year. You know, we're going to spin the roulette wheel, sign 20 guys, try to see, you know, and most coaches don't focus on their team ranking at all, but some do. Try to see if we can sign a top 20 class in two weeks. And if we do, great. And if it falls apart, who cares? You know, and and so that that's one way you could have looked at it. You could have gone – started flipping the best group of five commit from every school, uh, that kind of thing, taking guys that were borderline academically, whatever, you know. And that's a strategy uh, that, that, you know, I've seen happen before with a first class. You just kind of, you know, sp- cast a wide net. 
you don't really worry about in-depth evals or, or anything like that. So that's, that's the thing you can do. And, and if you did that this particular year, because the, you know, nobody's evalu- evaluation, eva- nobody's getting in-person evals this year, you know, the, the the analysts didn't get a chance to see guys good on good at all. The coaches didn't have a chance to have guys in camp or to go out and scout them in person. There's no on-campus height and weight measurements. I mean, you know, you, you look at it and it's like, it is a crapshoot. So you spin that wheel. Hey, maybe Shane Beamer lucks out and, and signs a, a really good class. Some of these guys may have been great senior risers that can play, but how do you know? Because, uh-oh, half the country didn't even play high school football this year. <laughs> so, you know, you start looking at it and you're like, well, there's there's players in place at South Carolina and, and everybody, some people, not everybody, are they're under the impression this is a complete rebuild. There are no good players on campus. All these players are terrible. Replace them all. You know, and, and, and Beamer has to come in and sign a top 10 class for South Carolina to ever have a shot. That's not true. Uh, the problem with South Carolina's roster is there are certain spots where it's just like bone dry. Okay. Then there's other spots that it's okay. Not a lot of depth, but, you know, solid middle range SEC could be better because they're young. Then there's some spots where South Carolina's pretty good, you know, uh, and, and so that's how you evaluate the roster. The cupboard is not completely bare. And so if you want to win next year and you're looking at the schedule, and they did, uh, and you kind, you kind of see, well, you know, South Carolina's not that far away. Uh, instead of going and potentially wasting scholarships because nobody's able to eval guys properly, you, you take your more of your chances on junior college players and older players from the portal uh, because you sort of know about them. Somebody offered them a scholarship. There's legitimate heights and weights. They have film in college, most of them. You know, you, you can check those guys out a little more. You can talk to their co- college coaches, that kind of thing. There's academic transcripts from the college level you can evaluate, uh, all kinds of things. So it's it's an easier – it's a, it's a – it's an easier eval because in this cycle, there's more data points on these guys, the JUCOs and, and the transfers. Uh, and like, again, like Ladarian Craig and Colby Fields, who they took out of Louisiana and Alabama uh, respectfully, they had a lot of data on these guys. Those guys played high school football this year. There's, there's information out there on them. Um, and, and so I think that's smart from the standpoint of, you know, you're not taking as many risks and you do have holes to fill. And these guys, a lot of them can come in right away and help you fill holes and help you, you know, turn the win loss record around, which none of this is going to change. Uh, number one, none of it's going to change until COVID is over. Uh, we're not going to get a good grasp on recruiting uh, nationally until COVID's over. Number two, it's not going to change until Carolina starts winning games as far as you know, can they get in the ball game with guys and attract guys and all that? It's not going to take an eleven and two season. Uh, we're talking getting back to, you know, where people legitimately look at you as a threat uh, to be top three in the East, and then the next year maybe they talk about you winning the East. I don't know. That's kind of a curse. Uh, happen Missouri, Kentucky, all these off-season darlings in the East tend to get uh, tend to not have good seasons. So, um, you know, but you you want to get it to that point, okay? And you're not that far off from getting back to the, 
to the Belk Bowl or to, to the, the Birmingham Bowl or to the Music City Bowl or the Liberty Bowl. You know, you're not that far off. Uh, and, and so you take these guys. Number two, you take an all-freshman class this year uh, because I want to point this out, Gamecock fans. This is something none of you talk about because last year some – and I'm not saying a lot of my good friends out there that, you know, are level-headed and all that. You know, everybody talked about how they didn't have enough five-stars last year in the 2019 class. And uh, it was the, you know, the 21st-ranked class in the – I'm sorry, the, the 2020 class, which was the 19th-ranked class in the country. Okay. Eighth in the SEC – Everybody complained because they were a frat, you know, a few points behind Florida and Tennessee or whatever. But of these guys, Carolina enrolled 24. Okay. They actually, you know, 24, and some of them counted towards this year. And um, all of them redshirted. <laughs> and only one of them has left Micaiah Scott, who went to Georgia Tech, defensive tackle. So you've got out of the 24 high school slash JUCO enrollees, 23 are still on campus. You go and sign 20 more, that's 43 freshmen. And and that's not going to hurt you for a couple of years, but it's going to throw your numbers way off. And you're talking about a disaster in year four or five, whereas 2021, you've only got, well, you got 10 guys that are just freshmen, freshmen. Now, some of these guys like like Dabo Williams, Debo Williams, Dabo, Whew. Debo Williams, uh, David Spalling. They're like freshmen and they got many years to play. Um, but but really that number is incredibly low, and so you spread it out. You you spread your your JUCOs and your portal guys out through your roster, and that that's roster balance. And and throwing a roster at and look, the NCAA is probably going to have some rules to take care of this. But roster balance, getting your roster balance thrown off is one of the worst things that can happen to a football program because then all of a sudden you only have like five seniors on the team and you're counting on true freshmen all over the field and it's year four. Anybody want to go through that in year four? I don't know. I don't know. Somebody gets hurt, boom, your whole season's over. So for that reason, I think it was smart. You know, the fact that the evaluations across college football – uh, this year, just the simple fact that nobody was able to do any in person, you know, that makes it smart because you know a little bit more uh, about the transfer guys. Um, and then the, the timing of it, you know, it's not like, and I think a lot of people that are critical are used to the the, the way it was done. Um, number one, like the last time South Carolina had a coaching change, Will Muschamp signed an outstanding class uh, for having been there less than a month. Uh, and you think back to that 2016 class, boy, uh, you had Brian Edwards, Jake Bentley uh, in that class. Jamarcus King came in and made an impact. You know, Keir Thomas, who just left. Keel Pollard was in that class. Congratulations to him for uh, being hired as a analyst or an assistant to the assistant. Rico Dowdles in the NFL, he was in that class. Kobe Smith, four-year contributor in that class. Um, T.J. Brunson, NFL draft pick in that class. Chavis Dawkins, four-year contributor. Uh, DJ Wanham, Sedarius Hutcherson was in that class. Uh, Javon Kinlaw was initially signed in that class. He technically signed, you know, was officially the next year, but they found him and put him in JUCO. So for, for a first class, that was amazing. But they were also able to go on the road and see players and do in-home visits and get in front of people. Uh, and 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 that was number one. Number two, they didn't have to deal with an early signing period. And if if you think about it, 
had they had an early signing period this particular year, a lot of these guys, you know, Jake Bentley being the exception, may have signed with other schools. I mean, Jamarcus King and Kiara Thomas and Kill Pollard were going to Arkansas. You know, Renriquez Davis was going to Miami. Rico Dowdle's probably going to NC State. Kobe Smith flipped from Kentucky. Um, and so there's not you don't have that. Nobody does. And I'm not saying these issues are unique to Carolina. I'm just saying that the expectation that you're going to cobble together this great class and flip a bunch of guys, which happens with new staffs frequently, and that gives you that shot of adrenaline, that was never happening this year because you can't do that over Zoom. And you have an early signing period, unlike you did when Spurrier got there and recruited a pretty good class, and then Muschamp did. Um, so, so I understand there was that expectation of, oh, maybe he's going to get things done in recruiting, and he did. But it was just in a, in a different way than the other guys just because it's a different time, man. It's a different time. And so you have to maximize. And, and I think he did. Now, is this a class – do I look at this class and go – this class is going to put South Carolina over the top and help the Gamecocks win championships. No, in my professional opinion, this is not that type of class. Can it be a class where you look back on it and go, gosh, it was ranked 77th, but three guys were multi-year starters and playing in the NFL. And some of these transfers really helped that first year. Yeah. And that's what, that's the idea. Uh, That's the idea. And I'm going to tell you this about 2022 too. I'm going to spit a truth bomb at you folks. South Carolina is not going to have – you're not going to be sitting there in Maine, South Carolina, as they do sometimes, are, are sitting there with a top-10 class. Um, and you may say, well, everybody's going through COVID. Why is that unique to South Carolina? I'll tell you why it's unique to South Carolina, because of two and eight and four and eight. You know, you can, you can put a sale together a lot easier when you're face-to-face with somebody, when they can feel the vibe in your program. Uh, you know, it's almost a spiritual thing. Uh, and, and I do have some good news to report uh, based on my intel from inside the football building. Uh, it's been a great positive, just a glow almost, um, since Beamer got there and his staff's been in place working with Luke Day uh, and the strength program this offseason. Uh, and it was pointed out to me that it was great. But, you know, as I thought and was also pointed out to me, uh, they hadn't, nobody's faced any adversity. You know, they hadn't lost a game. And that's going to be the tell uh, is what happens when you – because they're going to lose a game next year, inevitably. Uh, I think most everybody hopes it doesn't come in the first two weeks of the season <laughs> to ECU or Eastern Illinois, but uh, it's going to happen. So what happens then? But the vibe is good. And so in recruiting, that vibe helps you. Uh, and it, and it's, it's hard to express that strictly over Zoom and things like that. Uh, and then you got the facility sitting there and, you know, we, we've not seen a lot of recruits go in the facility because it closed in March of last year, it barely been open a year, not even a full cycle. So, you know, those are things that can help South Carolina overcome two and eight and things like that. And, and, and can also expose people to, you know, the new staff, the new Beamer staff. I mean, there are a bunch of personable guys. Montario Hardesty, who they just hired um, as the running backs coach, has a great reputation. I remember him as a recruit. Great guy, great kid. I know he ran all over Carolina one night. New Bern, North Carolina, actually had an offer to go back to Tennessee, did not take it, decided to come to South Carolina and join Shane Beamer. Um, there is a great vibe 
on campus, but you're not going to be able to get there unless players can actually come to campus. And that's probably not happening till May or June. So don't get frustrated. Uh, I was talking to Keith Allsep today, locked on the Gamecocks podcast. If you're not a patron, maybe consider it because he's got good stuff too. And we were talking, it's like, well, spring practice is really going to be what everybody needs to pay attention to uh, here in the coming months because, you know, recruiting, you just don't know when it's going to get back to normal. Uh, you know, I think there are some guys who are potential early commit candidates. I'm not going to give any names right now because I don't want people to come because you know how things change. Uh, and I don't want people to come back and say, you, you said he was a lock. And I never said lock. I just, well, this could be an early commit candidate. Uh, however, um, spring practice is going to tell us a lot. I mean, I was mapping out today the, the roster and who they have coming back. Linebacker and secondary, like like the, the whole aspect of where everybody's going to play is going to be fascinating. Like, like it's a 4-2-5, so there's a nickel spur position, obviously. Who's going to play there? You know, who are gonna, who's going to be the Mike linebacker? Who's going to be the Will linebacker? A guy like Jordan Strawn, is, is he a guy that can play in space? Or is he just a pass rusher that you put his hand down and let him go on third down? Or could he be your starting Will linebacker? You know, Bam Scott. Uh, the the new kid from from Dodge City, Kansas. I, I you look at him look at him on film, and he looks like a guy that you know could belong. You have to I'd have to look at him physically and all that. But uh, you know what's he going to be able to do? Um, all the transfers. Uh, Jason Brown is going to come in and compete for the starting quarterback. So you got a quarterback battle. Um, you know you, you're going to have to you know, kind of figure out what the, what, what's the deal with the tight ends? Who's going to play H back? Are they going to use an H back? I mean, there's all kinds of talk and all kinds of interesting personnel decisions for spring practice, which starts later this year, March 20th, I think. Um, and, and, you know, they're going to do all this and, and not have your normal recruiting visits and things like that, like you have uh, during, uh, during all this. So, you know, I think that's the thing Gamecock fans need to pay attention to spring practice in the short term. But the, the bigger picture is don't expect recruiting fireworks for 2022, at least in the first part of the cycle. I do think they can end up with a really good class. Uh, I do think that at the end of the day, uh, next uh, at the end of the 2022 cycle, you're probably going to see Carolina back toward the top 25. Uh, I think this was a one-off year, a very unique year and a year – where through no fault of the new head coach uh, and through no fault of the previous staff either, because of the pandemic, you were behind the eight ball and you couldn't go win those battles uh, because you didn't have what you normally, what, what your calling card normally is. You know, other schools can just say, Hey, I'm going to FaceTime you in front of the national championship trophy. And that speaks volumes, man. You know, uh, hey, uh, look us up on the internet. It, it's it's almost like, you know, it, it, in a situation like that, it's going to favor the schools that that have, that you know from the front look good. South Carolina hadn't looked good from the front, uh, and so I, I think that uh, you know I, I think when you look at this class, it, it, it's it's not it's not something that you know you can't hang on the seventy seven. Like I said, because the numbers are all off. I think there are good players in this class. Uh, is there a guy that, that's a program-changing elite guy? I don't know. Are there future NFL players in this class? I'd be shocked if there weren't at least one or two. And and you never know. There may I mean, you know there may be a guy in here. It's just not showing up on paper right now. 
Uh, is this the best class and the best uh, – did Shane Beamer make the best decisions in, in terms of the balance of transfers uh, with regards to putting together this class? Absolutely he did. Um, and, and it could be one of those classes where – and I, I rattled off all the guys for 2016 that ended up being good. Th- this class has similar potential, you know, because I look at a guy like Nick Barrett, uh, a guy like Omega Blake, uh, a guy like T.J. Sanders, the, all the high school guys, uh, Caleb McDowell, Colby Fields, John Darius Morgan, Ladarian Craig, all those guys have a reasonable amount of upside. You know, they're, they're not coming next year and kill it. You know, Sam Reynolds has gotten a lot better as a football player. Um, and, and he was talking in an interview that the university released the other day about, you know, kind of, I guess, introducing you to the freshman or whatever. And, you know, here's a guy that's like, I, I played soccer for a long time and I just tried it and I got better and better and ended up liking it. And he had a big, big senior year and he's fast. I mean, you can't, you can't knock old Sam Reynolds on his speed and Carolina needs speed. So, you know, there are players that can help uh, that, that are not the transfer portal guys, but uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, there, there's no reason to, to freak out and panic. It, it doesn't look bad. Yeah. It, it, it's, as a fan out there, yeah, you're frustrated that it says 14 out of 14 in the SEC. And I know there's other fan bases that are giving you crap about it because that's what fan bases do. But uh, I'm telling you, it's not that bad. Uh, I'd be willing to bet. And, and, and look, you don't believe, you think I'm just, you know, standing up for Beamer and the Gamecocks here. I said the same thing about Alabama's class that did not finish ranked number one. Um, uh, in the country, and it was the first year, I think, that we had the uh, the portal uh, or the um, the early signing. Twenty eighteen, Southern Cal. I mean, sorry, Alabama finished fifth. Twenty eighteen team rankings. Okay, so this is how much this means. Uh, Georgia finished first. Ohio State finished second. And t- by twenty eighteen, for the twenty twenty football team, some of these guys should be making a making a a, a dent in it. Texas was third. Southern Cal's fourth, <laughs> Bama fifth, Penn State sixth. Where's that class? Clemson seventh, Miami eighth. You know, so everybody was all up in arms in Tuscaloosa um, about this. And uh, you look, I said, well, I bet there'll be as many NFL guys in this class uh, as, as maybe the other ones because they're all pretty good. And, and sure enough, you know, Jalen Waddell was in that class. <laughs> Uh, Christian Barrymore, who was a low four-star, what a stud that guy is, was in that class. Uh, they actually took Jalen Moody out of Conway, South Carolina late. And Stephon Wynn, uh, so there were two guys from South Carolina, three guys from South Carolina uh, in that class. Uh, so, yeah, they, they, you know, Alabama, you know, to me, ended up uh, Skylar DeLong was the punter, the third guy, in case you're wondering, out of Fort Mill. You know, you look at it and probably, you know, I end up being right. There'll be just as many guys that are playing the NFL out of this class that was fifth in the country at Bama, which caused their fan base to melt down. Well, some of them. Uh, as as Texas will put in the NFL or Georgia out of their 2018 class, which finished first, uh, where, you know, you had your, your, your guys, Justin Fields, Tyson Campbell, I think he's gone and transferred. Uh, Adam Anderson's still there. Cade Mays has transferred. Brenton Cox has transferred. So uh, you, you look at who has transferred uh, 
uh, from Georgia, and that's the number one class now, 2018. They lost Fields. I think they lost Campbell. Let me look, just make sure. No, Campbell's still at Georgia. I, I was wrong about that. Um, he's gone now, though, I think, uh, to the NFL. So he's good. So, all right, let me back up because I, I was wrong about Campbell and I don't, I don't want to be. Um, so Justin Fields, gone. Um, Cade Mays, obviously gone back to Tennessee. Brenton Cox, obviously gone. There's their three five-star guys uh, out of the other ones. Now, Zamir White's still there. Is he the best back in the country? I don't know. He's coming back for another year, though. Jamari Saylor certainly is a great player, like I mentioned, Campbell. Adam Anderson, you know, has he been a, a five-star guy? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think uh, I think he's a pretty dang good player. But, uh, you know, and you sort of look at it, and, and that's kind of how it went. So, I, you know, to me, I, I'm telling you about this class being ranked lower, and, you know, just like the Alabama fans, that at the end of the day, <laughs> you know, it may not be that bad. You know, it may end up being better uh, than you think. And, and, you know, it may end up being the 2006 class, which there was a lot of gnashing of teeth about that at Carolina. They did not finish that that cycle strong after a good 2007 class. Uh, top two guys, top three, you know, it was – you looked at it, and Darian Stewart ended up being in that class, Captain Munnerlin. Spencer Lanning, Rodney Polk, Hutch Eckerson, Eric Norwood, the Brinkley brothers, Emmanuel Cook. Um, and, and they were all three-star guys. I think Hutch Eckerson was a four-star. But, uh, you know, they beat Southern Miss on Darian Stewart. <laughs> and so, you know, you got to – that's kind of – and I mentioned that at the be- beginning of the cycle when I didn't know Muschamp was getting fired. You just kind of hope for that kind of class – this cycle because it's just uh, it's just run unrealistic otherwise. So th- that's my that's my breakdown. Um, like I said, we'll go through some individual players and talk about all that as we move forward. Um, my goodness, fifty dollars to LAX got a Southwest Airline thing. Anybody want to go to LA right now? Probably not me. All right, so now it's time for the mailbag because we always do the mailbag. Two ways to do the mailbag. You can tweet at me, or you can send an email to insidethegamecocks at gmail.com. First two are about basketball. Carolina did win last night in basketball. Watched it, 72-66 at Florida. They have Florida's number on that floor. I do not know why, but they do. And uh, before the game, Phil says, I don't want to hear you say South Carolina is a hard school to win at, and we should be thankful for Martin. This is pathetic. The last three years have been. This year's the worst. Could give a crap about COVID. Well, COVID's a reality with South Carolina. Now, now the question becomes, you know, did the players handle it well? Is you know, was there something administratively that, that wasn't connecting with the guys? Was it just the fact that it spread and you know, people they couldn't get it under control, which has happened? Um, so, so there's some questions about that. Uh, and I think when you miss not so much missing games, but missing practice, that hurts. That'll hurt any Frank Martin coach team because the defense that they play is very systematic. The inconsistency is something though, that's been around for a while. You know, you, you go up, you go down, 
Um, you beat Georgia, you play good defense, you come right back and, you know, Vanderbilt's just, just you, you're not even like you're not even guarding them. Then you go down and play, quite frankly, an inspired game at Florida and win. Um, and this team is again behind the eight ball. I, I, I don't, you know, it's going to take a huge finish to make the NCAA tournament because they're still going to look at the net ranking. I don't know why. Uh, especially with some teams that haven't played a whole lot of games and missed practice, but it's the NCAA, so don't expect any any favors from them. All they're looking to do is, is cash their check and and pray they don't have to cancel the tournament in Indianapolis, which is a, another thing. Having everybody all in one place, maybe that's not the greatest idea if you're worried about COVID. But anyway, uh, that, that, I digress. Uh, you know, so so I don't have any faith they're going to make it. I, I'll disagree with you on this, Phil. I do think South Carolina is a hard basketball job. And I think it's it's even harder, and I'll tell you who I blame. I blame Eric Hyman. Uh, and I don't know whether it was because other sports were doing well and needed the focus, whether it's because he's a North Carolina guy and maybe didn't believe South Carolina should be that focused on men's basketball because the fan base wasn't. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know where the disconnect was. Uh, and, and I'm not, you know, pitchforks out for Eric Hyman about this. Um, and, and look, it, it, he did a lot of great things as an athletic director. But I think when the, when we got to the war chest of credibility with Dave Odom, there needed to be a little bit digger, deep, you know, deeper dive into why those NIT teams did not go to the NCAA tournament, particularly the second one, which went all the way to the SEC championship game and lost to national champion Florida by two and beat Florida on their home floor and at Carolina that year. Well, well, then why couldn't they beat Auburn or some of these other teams or Georgia? You know, why did Dave Odom's teams hit a wall on SEC play every single year, it seemed? And after two straight NIT championship teams, you know, maybe it's time to say, all right, we, we want to go and take it to the next step. Because then what you did by the extension of the war chest of credibility, Odom stayed two years too long. Was anybody out there super fired up about the second NIT? No, I was mad because they went through the NIT like it was nothing. And I was like, this is a sweet 16 basketball team. So you had two years under Odom. Then you go make a cheap hire in Horn. Now, sometimes cheap hires pan out. Sometimes they do, you know. But I don't think you go and get the guy that's had one good year, do you? That usually doesn't work out. That's a Darren Horn style hire. The guy that's had one good year uh, at a mid-major, that's his alma mater. That's really good. So then he got four years of Horn. Okay. And then you, you got to give Frank two at the beginning, right? So that's all eight years. That's almost a decade, folks. A decade. Uh, and in the meantime, students are passing through and, you know, Columbia has different, you know, entertainment dollars there's only so much of the sports gamecock dollar baseball's winning national championships football's better than it's ever been dawn staley you saw her start to build something and that has its own unique fan base so men's basketball is just the redheaded stepchild and and so from from the time odom took over where it was it was a young program in the sec uh, that eddie fogler had had you know taken to a championship and had, had kept going to the NCAA tournament and gotten upset twice. But, you know, it, it looked like, hey, South Carolina could be a player here. Because keep in mind, in the, in the 90s, up until the late 90s, you're only 26 years away from the glory days uh, of the ACC and, and all that. You know, now you're 46. So there's a lot more time has passed. Um, 
And so, you know, the, the, the program was just completely neglected and people just straight up lost interest, lost interest. I mean, you know, even, even Darren Horn's first team that was pretty exciting was Zam Frederick and Devin Downey that went to the NIT and lost to Steph Curry and, and Davidson. Um, I remember going to games that year in Columbia and, and it, there were games that was packed out. The students weren't doing it. And Frank Martin hadn't had that support, even with the final four. And, and I'm not blaming anybody, you know, besides the decisions that were made there that have called up to this program, because you go through a 10 year drought like that, when every other program is winning, all of a sudden apathy sets in South Carolina. I always kind of say during that period became a true sec school. You know, whereas in the ACC basketball matters, you know, that, 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 cause that shoved the basketball program down to nothing. Um, and then baseball and football and women's basketball obviously were on the rise and people care about that. But, you know, so, so that's, that's why it's a hard job. Now, does that have anything to do with where Carolina's been at now? Yeah, no. Uh, I will tell you that I disagree that it's been pathetic. Uh, uh, I think you come off uh, the final four, you have some guys unexpectedly leave, you know, you, you, you scratch out a 17 and 16 record when you're on the bubble. That's fine. The next year you didn't really know what you had still finished 500 and finished with an 11 and seven conference record last year got to be kind of in the, uh, this is a disappointment range because everybody was back. You know, so you 18 and 13, 10 and eight, that late conference loss at Vanderbilt hurt. And then this year has been bad. Um, so, so I don't agree that it's been pathetic. Uh, I, I do think, and I've said for many times, the next uh, step for South Carolina basketball is to make the tournament several years in a row. That's the next step. And, and sometimes a guy will come in and do things that have never been done. I've always used the example of Lon Kruger at Florida. Came in, took the Gators. The Gators were awful in basketball, by the way. Um, and uh, so, you know, Luke Kruger took him to the Final Four for the first time, and then he ended up leaving and going to Illinois, and they hired a guy named Billy Donovan who took that program to the next level. Sometimes it's the next guy. So, um, anyway, Phil, hope that answers your question. Chris Snyder says, do you think the basketball team will get to make up any of their missed games? Is the tournament still on the table? If they go on like a huge run and finish seven and one or something, they maybe could sneak in. I don't have any faith that that'll happen because um, I don't think the NCAA will put them in because I think they'll look at the net and just ignore everything else. But, um, you know, there's still a chance, and I don't know that they'll make up any of the games. I, I think if they get in position, you're going to actually probably – some teams are going to lobby for it. So we'll see what happens there. All right. Hudson asked uh, DQ Smith of Spring Valley 2022 quarterback. Um, ask him what, you know, he's being offered as a safety. They like him as a safety. Uh, from what I've heard, he's open to playing safety. Uh, so that's, that's a kid. I said, don't expect a lot of activity uh, in terms of rank of uh, recruiting. That's the type of kid, local kids like that, that you could, you could maybe see an early commit from. Uh, but the Gamecocks definitely love him. Uh, in the defensive backfield, heck of an athlete there. Uh, Mitchell says, J.C. Hope all as well. Obviously, you saw Gunnar Stockton committed to Georgia. And at this point, what are South Carolina's chances of flipping him back? Rare. 
Uh, I know based on my experience of following recruiting, the chances of flipping a kid for the second time is pretty slim. I don't think this recruitment is over personally. Beamer, Beamer needs to hope that the dead period is lifted. And if he gets him on campus, I think Carolina has a chance. I would agree. Anybody you get on campus, you have a chance. And I agree that the you know it'd be best for Beamer and for the Gamecocks for the dead period to be lifted. Is that going to produce miracles? And is all of a sudden South Carolina going to have a top five class? No. But but I think that gives them more ammo than they what they're dealing with now. The other thing is that this is February 2021, not December 2021. It's not over till he signs the letter. Still 10 months to go. And if I were Beamer, I'd go hard as, as hard as I can flipping Stockton to Carolina. They are, but I'm going to tell you this, they're also moving on and, and offered other quarterbacks. I, I don't think – I mean, I, they love Gunnar Stockton, obviously. Who doesn't? But uh, I don't think it's wise to just sit there and hope and pray and hang out like the ex-girlfriend, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and 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 want to, you know, stalk him and try to get it back. And then, then you're left with not a good quarterback or, or a big-time project. Uh, and so I, I think Carolina has moved on with some other offers. Paul says, big fan of the podcast. I'm a Carolina fan through and through, but currently live in St. Louis, Missouri. Because of this, I work with a bunch of Mizzou alums and I've always had to hold my ground as a Gamecock fan. We frequently have debate about which program is better. They always bring up the fact that Missouri has been in the SEC for less than a decade and has two SEC East compared to Carolina's one in 30 years. And Missouri's back-to-back wins in the series. I keep telling them Shane Beamer's going to turn it around, and I've always had that great win by Connor Shaw. J.C. Howitz can I hold my ground in Tiger Country. Thanks. Keep up the good work. Of all the bad things that have happened <laughs> the last couple of years, the back-to-back losses to Missouri are the worst. And, you know, I don't know how good they are. You know, I, I look at that game last year, that was a team that ended up six and six and getting Barry Odom fired. And it was just a ridiculously horrible offensive game plan uh, to have Ryan Halinski throw the ball around when he clearly was not on that day. And then he scored two touchdowns for the other team in a 34, 14 game, including hundred yard pick six um, that I'm not blaming Ryan for that. That play should have never been called down there that close in a 10 point game. That was awful. And I, on top of that, I had to be at a wedding. Uh, that day so I had to watch it on delay Uh, and then you know uh, this year Carolina just couldn't manufacture the offense to complete the comeback Uh, they weren't stopping them too good the first half 17-10 went down in Columbia in a year where that was against an interim coach and all that so yada 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 Uh, I think Eli Drinkwitz was surprisingly good this season Uh, I, I, I don't I've stopped underestimating Missouri because every time you do, they end up being better than you think. Um, I think they've got a good solid program that was the foundation was laid uh, from with Gary Pinkle there for a long time. Um, and we'll see how it goes from here. Uh, I, I think South Carolina going out to Columbia, Missouri next year in November, who knows what the two teams will look like by that point, but that's been a place Carolina has been able to win. Uh, the problem with the losses for Carolina of all the bad things that was happening, this is why this is one of the worst is that South Carolina, you know, everybody always whines and complains about the sec. Oh, it's the sec. It's not good enough. You, you got to go five stars and you got to deal with Georgia and Alabama. And, and yeah, you do. They're in the same league, but in the East, you know, you look at how programs are set up for success or not. 
and South Carolina set up for way more success than Missouri and Kentucky Vanderbilt and to a certain extent, Tennessee. So that's four teams in your own division. There's only seven teams in the division. Uh, and so losing to those guys has ha, needs to be something that, that, that is in the past. I mean, you know, and I'm not talking about like Spurrier in 2014, you know, that they had Missouri beat and then Missouri came back. I don't know Missouri had Carolina beat in 2013 back with Connor Shaw, but, but those were two really good Missouri teams that won the division. Um, and, you know, you want to talk about the worst thing that happened under Spurrier? were those years where they didn't win the division that they could have won uh, five straight sec East had they had a defense and not stubbed their toe in one year, not stubbed their toe in another year, had a more favorable schedule in one year. Um, they were probably the best team in that division over a five year period consistently. And I think if you look at your record, the record, that's the case. Uh, but Carolina's going to get back to that. There, there's absolutely no reason as a job and most coaches will tell you this, that South Carolina is an inferior job to Kentucky and Missouri and Vanderbilt. They may say it's inferior to Tennessee, you know, maybe. I, I think they're kind of equal. You know, they, they both have to kind of go out of state to get players They uh, and all that. Uh, Tennessee obviously has tradition on its side. But, um, you know, so there's no reason. Kentucky, Missouri, Vandy, you know, Carolina shouldn't. Uh, that should be three wins that they take every year. There's a trophy for the Missouri game too. <laughs> and so the Gamecocks need to get back. How you can hold your ground is no brighter days are ahead. Uh, and that Carolina has a lot of talented players. They've just been sort of dysfunctional the last two years. And, and I think uh, going out there next year, who knows, who knows what the teams will look like then, but uh I'm not counting that as a loss for Carolina. I can assure you of that. In fact, I may go to that game. I've been to Columbia a couple of times, Columbia, Missouri, but never, never been to a game uh, in Tiger Town. So, and then I got a nice email from Noah says, "Thanks for the quality content. Just to thank you. So, thank you." And that's all the time we have today on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast signing day review and and mailbag and all that. Don't forget the mailbag at the Big Spur Pod or inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. Hope I enlightened some of you about this this class because I, you know, and I know it's sometimes a vocal minority, but the panic uh, and the reaction to the class ranking, you know, I just kind of wanted to explain that, hey, yeah, it, it's not pretty. Don't get me wrong. Uh, nobody wants to see that kind of class ranking, but it doesn't tell the whole story. So just keep that in mind, and, and we'll go from there. All right, I'll talk to you soon, Gamecock fans. This is J.C. Sherbert signing off. Have a good Thursday evening, everyone.